This is CliffCentral.com. Well, this is going to be a little bit living in lockdown and a little bit of speaking to one of the best journalists in the country, someone who I refer to often when I'm trying to find out what the real story is. She has been an award-winning crime journalist, among other things. She's the author of many books. And this morning, she's also a mom who's uh, trying to keep her kids entertained and schooled while during lockdown. Mandy Weiner, it's so nice to see you. And uh, how's lockdown going? Um, yeah, it's okay. Like, it's interesting. <laughs> I think I sound like a like punch drunk from butter. Why? What were you doing? <laughs> I've washed butter off my hands. I've been, I've, so I've been baking biscuits with my kids via Zoom with their grandmother, which, I mean, it's great in theory, right? means that I still have to do everything. Yeah. All right. So, Mandy, I can't uh, but refer to your article from, I think it was earlier this week, about the lockdown regulations, which have, to many of us, seemed very capricious and some of them inexplicable. Um, You addressed those. You also went into some, you know, quite interesting territory in terms of observing the way that people are handling this lockdown, and some people are obviously not. Um, but I thought it was just a terrific article and, uh, you know, any excuse to have you back on the show. How do you feel that the government has, has handled things since they made the decision to lock down? Do you think that they've realized they might have made one or two missteps? Do you think that they're convinced they've done the right thing? And, and maybe they've maybe they've got a sunken cost in this that, that doesn't enable them to uh, come back and, and perhaps – soften some of the, the more draconian and unnecessary regulations they've put in play? So, look, I think the, the starting premise um, that, you know, we need to work off here is that like the government has never done this before. And I think that it is an incredibly enormous challenge for them. Um, this is completely virgin territory, um, and they would not have necessarily foreseen this, although some people would argue that they should have. Mm. Um, so I think that definitely from the from uh, the president's perspective, and I've written about like crisis communications and how he's handled it from um, from his side, and I think there's a, a lot of love for for the president and the fact that he. Um, acted decisively and early and that he's shown empathy and that he's shown an enormous amount of leadership. Um, I think that obviously the problem that we're having is with um, the the lower tier of leaders and the cabinet ministers from Stellan de Benny Abrahams and just the ridiculousness of that uh, to Fikile Mbulula and Becky Tele. Um, You know, there's been a lot of concern around their kind of a demagoguery and uh, their dictatorship, um, you know, so that is the concern for me. And and I think that things like the tobacco ban and I know that there's a lot of fuss being made about the roast chickens and pies and all of that, um, <laughs> but I think it's more about the inexplicable, that we just don't understand them um, and they don't, they don't seem to be rational. I think that really is the problem. Yeah, I, I also think that there are a lot of people who are probably of the opinion that the arrests, I mean, we've had, something like two or 3,000 arrests for people who've broken lockdown and 54 or 55 deaths, perhaps even a little bit more by today, from COVID-19. It almost seems like the remedy has been worse for some people than than the, the disease. And, and we know that there are many more South Africans who are only going to feel the full impact of this as we now go into a post-lockdown period, hopefully. Um, but, you know, there are there are hungry, starving families. And I, I'm not one of those people mm-hmm. who likes to appoint myself as a spokesperson for the poor, like so many people in the media do. 
But honestly, there's no one speaking for, you know, a mother who goes down the road to buy groceries for her kids and gets uh, interrogated by the police in a, in a sometimes very violent and ugly way. The very worst of, um, you know, what, what we often see in a security state uh, yeah. uh, that we are so often on the verge of in South Africa. And now we've got this decision to even, you know, put more military boots on, on the ground. Um, and that for me has been a failure in, in Cyril Ramaphosa's leadership around um, the fact that he hasn't spoken out uh, strongly enough against uh, that issue about how, just how violent and unnecessarily violent the police are being. Um, you know, I think that there, there could be a lot more sensitivity around that. And, but again, you know, it's a difficult balance between life and livelihoods. Um, and I think that in the beginning, everyone was so happy that he closed down the country and locked us down so early to stop the spread. And now that we understand, we're seeing that we are going to hit that peak anyway, but we had to flatten the curves so that the hospitals wouldn't be overrun. But now we're really starting to see the effects of the lockdown and people, people are hungry. Um, you know, huge amounts of, of employers, are, businesses are, are tanking and people are losing jobs. So I think the decision that he announces tonight is absolutely crucial around how he decides to open up the country. And I mean, we had Trump talk about this all the time, you know, that the remedy is worse than whatever he says. Um, you know, so I think that that's, that's the point we're now reaching. We're starting to kind of tip over the, the edge there. So Mandy, just on the, on the securocrats in government, and you've already mentioned one or two of those problems, I saw that there were some police, uh, several arrests have been made of police officers who've been reported. Um, is IPID functional? I mean, I really don't know. Since that whole situation that they were in argument with the police minister and, and, you know, we had, we had complete confusion around whether IPID are actually yeah meant to do this, not meant to do that, who's in charge, who they report to. What's the status quo there? Do we know if we're citizens and we decide? Yeah, I remember Robert McBride left yeah. and then there was a whole fuss around right. that. So, I mean, so output is functional. So output is, is investigating and supposed to be um, doing its work. Okay. Uh, and a lot of work it has because the police, obviously, there have been a number of police officers, as you say, that have been arrested for selling booze and stealing food parcels and, and whatnot. Um, and this is something we've just got to watch, you know, especially around the fact that, that you know, we need to watch the, the watchman here because the, the police have got so much power and the military have got so much power. Um, and again, with, even with these social grants that have been announced now by the president and, and for, for corruption. So it is something that we need to ensure that, that the, the institutions that we know have been battered and broken over the past few years mm. are the ones that are now going to function optimally. So do you think, I mean, this is such a difficult question, but it's something as a crime reporter that you'd probably be best placed to answer. Suddenly, Becky Kela is telling us that crime has come down, um, but for the longest time, we haven't had available crime statistics and certainly not any granularity in those statistics. What's the actual story here? Is he just thumb sucking or is there a, a record being kept of, of what's going on? Or is it just kind of obvious that when people are locked down, they're going to be doing less criminal things. I mean, the gangs, obviously not, but everyone else, yes. You know, because, I mean, there have actually been some proper, like, research studies that have been done around organized crime around lockdown mm. and what happens there. Well, um, can, for tell, example, us, tell us about that for starters, because that's interesting. 
example, I mean, you know, the organized crime can boom during lockdown because there's so much more scope in, in a way. So something I wrote about, for example, is the tobacco trade. And what we're seeing now is an absolute boom in the illicit tobacco industry because it was already vibrant before. Um, but now because cigarettes aren't being sold, people, you know, it's completely naive to think that people aren't going to find cigarettes somewhere else. Um, they're spending a fortune of anecdotally. I've heard people are spending 1200, 1300 rand a carton. And that money goes to crooks and gangsters. It doesn't go to the fiscus. And, and that's, and, the and as you pointed out in your article, it doesn't necessarily go back to the legal trade afterwards. Once they've discovered that they can get X and Y cheaper through this guy and knockoffs. And they're just as good and they get used to them. Why would a smoker necessarily go back to the shop? Well, that's the point is that they, they're now laying down the foundations that are going to last long after lockdown. So they're establishing roots, they're establishing partnerships, um, that they are able to crack, um, you know, areas that they weren't in before. And all of that is going to last long after lockdown. Uh, so we've always had a problem with, with illicit tobacco in South Africa. It's always been a problem. Um, and now it's just getting so much worse. Um, because of that. And that's why I'm, I'm arguing. I'm not a smoker. I, I think smoking is disgusting, but I do think that this tobacco ban is, is ludicrous um, for that reason. Um, and also because it's an, it's an enormous amount of money. It's, you know, 1.5 billion rand that could go back into the fiscus over the lockdown. Um, that just doesn't make any sense. And yeah, so, so I do think that organized crime is benefiting. Other the the, the, the kind of general crime that we're seeing is I think it, it is a reduction in crime because people are supposed to be at home. I think that the alcohol ban has made a big difference. So we're not seeing those kind of Shabin stabbings that take tons of people in, in hospitals over, over Saturday nights. Um, and I think that people are generally at home. Wow. Um, so it would make sense well, that... Yeah, rather, rather disturbingly, we've seen a lot of arson, though, a lot of schools and, and public buildings uh, set on fire and destroyed during this time. Lots of lots of robberies of yeah. those kinds of places. Um, obviously, we can't tell whether that's the kind of thing that would go on normally. But during this time, there are a lot of opportunists, good and bad. Absolutely. Um, and the, and the, the arson of schools, I'm just completely baffled by. Like, mm-hmm. I just think it's so unnecessary. Um, you know, it's just, it's just such a kind of devastating side effect. Um, because people are missing out on, on so much schooling as it is. And I don't really see the benefits of, of it. Um, but it's also boredom and restlessness and opportunism. Who's really making these regulations? I know Nkosasana Zuma is the one who, who's kind of making the announcements, but who are the people around her who are deciding, well, you can buy a lettuce but you can't buy a cooked chicken and you can buy medical equipment, but you can't buy a hammer and nails. Who's, who's actually sitting in a committee making these kinds of ridiculous and capricious decisions? President's council that is made up of premiers and ministers and advisors. I mean, we don't know literally like who the person is that is, is making the decision. So this is my issue with the whole thing is that, and alcohol or tobacco or hot chicken or pies or cooked food or whatever the hell it is, they must just tell us why. For example, with the cigarettes, it's actually not in the regulations. It's not in the law. Right. Um, and nobody has said to us that, oh, we are banning tobacco because we don't want people to share a scafe between five people or because 
you are more likely to be high risk if you get COVID-19. So they're not actually explaining themselves. So it all seems to be just very like off the cuff and subjected, subjective. So look at the example of children moving between um, divorced parents. Mm. For two weeks, Diva Zulu did not actually have a regulation and couldn't give anyone an answer. Yeah. Kind of just doing it ad hoc and were desperate and going to court. And eventually it was a, a court judgment that forced her into a regulation. So, you know, the president may have made some clear, decisive early on, but I think the level down from that has been all over the place. And, and you know, people have, have been quite muddled by it all. Now, another thing that's irritating you during this lockdown, and all of us are <laughs> All of us are getting a little bit tetchy about a lot of different things because I think we're just getting a bit of cabin fever, among other things. One of the things that's really bothering you at the moment is all the fake news. You've spent an inordinate amount of time scouring through and, and, and trying to fact check information that even smart, responsible and sensible friends of yours are sending around like voice notes from unidentified people telling you that they have inside info about the lockdown before it happened and people putting out like bizarre statements on social media without any backup effect at all. It's infuriating because people who are like generally quite smart and you know discerning lost like all sensibility during lockdown. So and and for some reason they seem to think that I have the answer to, to these questions so i get all kinds of things like um oh is this true oh is the president speaking tonight um oh are they going to lift the, the liquor ban tonight um oh this is my cousin's uncle's neighbor's dog's owner who says that you mustn't do this thing because it'll make you more susceptible and but no name no reference no sourcing no official emblem but it must be true <laughs> they get like a message from their their neighbor's daughter that it actually is from their neighbor's daughter not from 27 other people that it went through first yeah and it seems the more dramatic and uh, insane the information is the more widely it gets spread around yeah, completely. Um, you know, and, and people like will will send it some kind of a disclaimer, like, look, I'm not sure if this is true. I haven't verified it, but just in case, I'm gonna send it on to you. Um people are also really bored. So like I find that I'm spending so much time on social media and sharing stuff with people. And I think that's this is just a kind of manifestation of that. Um now <laughs> you you know what journalism is. Uh, citizen journalism has has been regaled as being this terrific new way for people to receive and share information, and most of it is to be taken at face value. And sometimes that face value is precisely the narrative that the author of that content wants to have set about uh, and into the community. But journalism is a little more difficult than that. I mean, you can't just go and say anything. You can't just put some stuff out there. And, and I've seen lots of people who put things on WhatsApp groups, for example, and then retract that virtually, you know, hours later when the damage has probably already been done. Uh, and then they say, oh, no, I found out this is fake. At least they're responsible enough to say that it was fake and take it down. But most people don't even do that. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that you have to be so careful. Um, like a lot of stuff is being shared just liberally without being checked. And I've, I've been like fastidious about this because circumstances, things can go even more viral than, than normal. Mm. So you really have to check for 
you share it. Um, you know, we've, I mean, we saw what happened with, um, this News 24 article, uh, around the Gates Foundation and vaccines, obviously. Um, News 24 retracting that. Um, you know, and I, I think you just need to be so, so responsible and so careful, um, because people are scared and they're looking for, you know, in a way, I mean, I've heard some people say that they think that, that, that during this pandemic, people have returned to traditional media, um, because they believe it to be more reliable, more responsible, a better source of, of information. Um, I think citizen journalism absolutely has a place. I think that it's, it's crucial to getting eyes and ears into places where, where journalists aren't. Um, but I do think that there has been a reliance on, on more responsible, um, outlets because people are just desperate for any kind of truth. The problem that you've got also is that you have experts disagreeing on things. Mm. So if you look at masks, for example, I was so confused for weeks about whether to wear a mask or not, yeah. because you've got the World Health Organization saying one thing and the CDC saying something else. And then the health minister finally came out and said something. I'm still not entirely convinced of this. Um, you know, so if you have reputable people making conflicting comments, that can also be difficult to decipher. No. Surviving lockdown is obviously hard for all of us, but you've indicated that it's especially difficult for, for you because you keep getting these messages from people who think you're in the know on everything, even though you are in the know for most things, and, and harassing you with messages and asking you for confirmation of, of facts that may be derived from thin air. But how have you actually been spending lockdown? Because you are a mom and you do have a life and you're not just reporting 24-7. And a lot of this stuff is driving parents crazy. <laughs> it's driving some of us who aren't parents crazy. And mm. we're, we're hoping for an end to it. I mean, do you have a preference for how you'd like to see things roll out from here on in? You know, it's interesting because um, my husband and I often say, like, oh, it'd be great to be in lockdown on your own. But then we feel sorry for people that are on their own. Um, boring, I guess. But then I also would love to just sit and read books and watch Netflix all day instead of homeschool. The situation you're in, it's, it's difficult. You know, I've got two kids that I'm trying to keep alive and um, educate in some way or another. Yeah. But you do what you can, you know. So, like, <laughs> I, I did two or three hours of homeschooling in the morning. Um, you know, we, like, we do. I've, I've done crafts and activities until they come out of my ears. I could do a parent blog on the amount of crap that I've done with my kids over the last like five weeks. Where do you get your um your your centered approach to things and, and how do you replenish your own energies? I mean are you looking after yourself? Are you doing a bit of exercise? Are you trying to eat right? That kind of thing. No, I'm not eating right at all. I'm just smashing my face. But I am exercising a lot. So um, I've done like a lot of yoga, um, online, that kind of thing. I've done a lot of walking. I find I've got quite a long driveway, which is quite nice. And I just walk up and down and up and down, up and down, like, because it's just the best way to try and release. I lost it so badly that I just ran laps around my garden, um, yeah. <laughs> with, with earphones on. I do a lot of like it's it's interesting how you change your lifestyle. Like I've done a fortune of exercise online on YouTube uh -huh. through Zoom calls, how much as possible. Um, I've watched lots of Netflix and I read a lot actually, surprisingly, way more than I normally would have. 
How are all the gangsters doing? I mean, you, you're in regular communication with some of our criminal overlords and underlords, and you have written about them in, in a number of books that have been tremendously successful. Uh, are the gangsters uh, fans of lockdown? Are they quite excited by this? I haven't like checked in necessarily to say, like, how are you coping with lockdown? <laughs> um, yeah. I think that they doing what we're all doing, I guess. They're all kind of... Look, I mean, there was an attempt on William Booth in yeah. Cape Town, the criminal lawyer, like under lockdown, where the, the shooters were wearing masks. I mean, that's crazy yeah. to think that they thought that they would get away. And they haven't been arrested, as far as I know. But so it's crazy to think that you can like put on a surgical mask, go and take a pot shot at one of the top criminal attorneys in the country and get away with it. Are you a little bit worried? Because I know you, you read as much as I do, and we, we're probably both fans of you know people like Orwell. And when you read mm. about how, how easily we've all given up our rights to freedom of association, to freedom of movement, to the freedom to purchase whatever we want, uh, the ability to, to see our own friends and family. You mentioned your mom who was on Zoom with the kids earlier. Uh, it seems that when fear is in the equation, people just roll over and, and those rights that our constitution puts front and center are suddenly pushed to the back of the queue. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because you have to have like some kind of leadership. Um, and especially now when it's up to a communal effort where you need people. I mean, I, I had a big argument with people in the beginning of lockdown saying, you know, be different people giving different views about whether it's necessary for government to intervene to the extent can people be responsible. I mean, you should see what my neighborhood WhatsApp group looks like. We had the biggest fight on Sunday because some people believe it's their, their responsibility to police their neighbors, uh -huh. whereas other people are like, my mental health, it's my problem, not yours, I'll get arrested. Um, and uh, that on a kind of m like micro level is a reflection of what's going on at a macro level in the country, mm. where if we don't all stay at home, it's a problem, but then you are relinquishing your rights to, to freedom of, of movement. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's opened up such a, such an interesting debate. It does worry me, um, about how much, uh, you know, responsibility we give, particularly to securocrats, mm. and that can be so easily abused. Well, I hope that everybody in your household is happy and healthy and that you emerge from this victorious and that the kids eventually get to go back to school and that you can resume all your important jobs as, a, as an investigative journalist and that you continue to write. Have you had any chances to write while you've been uh, locked down? I've been writing a fortune because I'm actually finishing a book at the moment. Excellent. Later this year on whistleblowers. Oh. So um, I've spent most of lockdown finishing off the book that's it's now in a kind of edit process awesome. so that, that's actually been quite good because i've had an opportunity to to really um get the bulk of it done um it's just such a weird environment to be in to to work on something like that you know it's just bizarre this kind of circumstances we find ourselves in um just out of curiosity do, are you because you're a journalist do you have one of those passes that you can go around and do things or are you, are you pretty much just staying at home not to get one okay. i could have yeah. um, but i just thought you know it's really not necessary it would be a, a loophole for me mm. um and i know that all, i mean our people have found the most amazing loopholes and i just thought you know i don't really need one well mandy i love talking to you thank you so much for spending some time with us and uh, best of luck for the rest of it stay safe and stay healthy 
This is CliffCentral.com.